0: Hey y'all, Jake Bible here. Thank you for listening to the original podcast recording of Dead Mech that I released way back in 2009. I've had a lot of folks ask for these original recordings, so I thought I'd put them back out there for y'all to enjoy. The episodes will be released weekly for free, but if you don't want to wait, then head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe. Links are in the show notes. Paid subscribers receive access to all 26 episodes right now. And that's not all. Subscribers receive access to early release ebooks, getting them before they even go on sale in my online store or any of the retail sites. Plus, early access to new audiobooks, exclusive short stories, including the weekly Friday Night Drabble Party, live readings, and so much more. That's jakebible.substack.com. Subscribe now and get all the goods. Now, enjoy a little bit of the past. Thank you.
1: You're listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel, written and performed by Jake Bible. This story is available only as a podcast novel and is not for the faint of heart. If you can't stand blood, gore, graphic violence, foul language, cannibalism, zombie hordes, or sexual situations, well then, you aren't invited to this party. For more details and info, go to jakebible.com. Feel free to leave your mark there. It's only fair. Episode 26, Epilogue. As soon as Jimmy stopped the mech, baby Rachel began to cry. Come on, baby girl, you're crushing me here, he said to his infant daughter. Papa Bear's gotta sleep or I'm gonna crash this hunk of metal. As soon as Caprizi began walking the mech further into the wasteland, Rachel quieted down. Within a mile, she had fallen back asleep. Caprizi wrinkled his nose. Oh, God, how can something so foul come out of something so small and cute? Caprizi shifted Rachel over and dug in the diaper bag but with no luck. Oh, you gotta be shitting me. Themopolis smiled as the commander tossed and turned in the cot next to Rachel's. You are the dreamiest person I've ever known, she whispered while she checked Rachel's vital signs. Everything checked out fine with Rachel, which is what puzzled the doctor the most. There was no medical explanation for why Rachel was still unconscious. It wasn't even a true coma. The brain scans showed too much activity. Thermopolis took down Rachel's empty IV bag. Matthew came up next to her, handing her a fresh one. How's she doing, Doc? The same. Which is good, I guess, Thermopolis answered, hopeful. Is anyone out there? A voice echoed in Jimmy's head. Hello. Can anyone read me? Caprizi, sleepily realizing the voice was coming from the calm, grudgingly came awake. <clears throat> Hello? He coughed. Who is this? I can hear you. Caprizi? Jimmy, is that you? The voice asked. This is mech pilot James Caprizi. Who the fuck is this? It's Stan! Stanislaw! Man, I can't believe you made it out also. Holy shit! Stan? Jesus, I thought I was the only one left, Caprizi responded. I think we're it, man. Not quite. I got Rachel out with me. Thank God for that. Commander Caprizi came awake with a start. Sorry, didn't mean to wake you, Matthew said, seated next to Rachel's cot, his hand in hers. Caprizi ran his hand over his face, rubbing the sleep from his eyes. What time is it? 0700, Matthew responded. Everyone let you sleep in. Caprizi glanced at Rachel and smiled. Well, at least I'm not the only slacker around here. If she can hear you, she's going to kick your ass when she wakes up. Caprizi chuckled. I look forward to that. The commander stood and stretched. I'm going to get cleaned up. You want some coffee? Sure. Hey, stop locking me out, Jay shouted at Jethro. I'm trying to run a diagnostic. I already ran it and fixed it. You're just going to fuck it back up, Jethro shouted back. Boys, can you please stop bickering for one fucking minute? Marin shouted, pinching the bridge of her nose, trying to ward off the imminent headache. You two are fucking killing me! Sorry, Marin, Jay said sheepishly. Yeah, sorry, Marin. Jay can be a real pain in the ass, Jethro said. Me? You're the fucking pain in the ass! Jay shouted. Oh, for fuck's sake! Marin cursed. Tabrizi stepped into the Stronghold mess hall, heading straight for the coffee. Morning! He said to Specialist Grindetti and Specialist Kafar. Morning, sir, Grindetti answered, while Specialist Kafar nodded. I can't thank you guys enough for getting this place in order, Caprizi said, indicating the mess hall. Well, after Jethro did a controlled fire purge of the place, it really was just a matter of scrubbing it down and hosing it off. Caprizi lifted a cup of coffee to his lips and sipped, grimacing. Kafar laughed. We can't wait until your girl wakes up. We've heard her coffee is legend. Caprizi nearly ran into Marin as he left the mess. "'Excuse me, Commander,' she said, frowning. Caprizi eyed her carefully. "'They driving you nuts?' Marin sighed. "'They're like fucking kids!' "'How's the data recovery coming?' Caprizi asked. "'Slow to nil,' Marin answered. "'Every time we think we've got something, we find another dead end. Johnson was pretty thorough with his safeguards. We'll be lucky to recover one percent of what was lost.' "'Too bad.' That was the whole history of the stronghold. Plus, detailed medical records and weapons research. What about the satellite? Jethro's still trying to get back in. Matthew watched as the railer mechanics worked on yet another new mech. Hey, Matty," June said. Morning, June, Matthew responded. They've done a great job. We're going to have more mechs than pilots unless Thermopolis and Jethro can get the new Reaper chips ready. Listen. June said. I've been meaning to apologize for a while. Matthew waved her off. No apologies, June. I've already said that. Just hear me out. Matthew nodded and June continued. I just wanted to say I'm sorry for making things hard on you and Rachel. It wasn't fair. Okay? Okay, Matthew said smiling. Unnecessary. Apology. Accepted. Jethro! Caprizi called over the comm as he made his way back to the staging area, two steaming mugs of coffee in his hands. "'Yes, sir,' Jethro responded. "'Any more info on that neurotoxin?' "'No, sir. I can't find a trace of it stored anywhere. Johnson must have used the only supply. "'You have any data on it at all?' "'A little from my analysis of the air samples from before the special ops people torched the mess. "'But it's sketchy at best.' "'Well, keep working at it.' "'Not a problem, sir. It's on the priority list.' Trust me. Jenny taped the picture of her father to the train engine's control panel. Systems are ready. We can depart at any time, a regular engineer said next to her. We're just waiting on the mech. Jenny rolled her eyes. I'll hurry his ass up. Jenny tapped at her calm. Hey, dog boy, you coming or what? Seriously? Is that going to be my nickname? The rookie complained. Only for me. You can kick anyone else's ass that calls you that. That's a deal, the rookie laughed. I'm all powered up and heading your way. Good, we've got some wasteland to cover. Caprizi stepped next to Matthew, handing him a mug of coffee. Thanks, Matthew said. You won't thank me after you try it, the commander warned. Matthew took a sip and grimaced. Yeah, I take that back. Masters make this? He made it yesterday before he took off with Bisbee, Harlow, and Stomper, Caprizi answered. The two remained silent for a moment before Matthew spoke again. Doc says she's stable and doing fine. She just won't wake up. I suggested we put her in a mech. She'd feel more at home, but Themopolis disagreed. Rachel's men sipped at their horrid coffee. Mech coming through, the rookie called out. Caprizi and Matthew stepped out of the way of the battle machine. You all set? Caprizi said over the comm. Yep, it took us a couple weeks, but the train, while a bit shorter, is running fine, the rookie responded. Jenny just ran the final test and we're good to go. Be careful, Matthew said. we Will do. We're just going to my old village and pick up those that want to leave. We'll be back in a week. The rookie stepped his mech out of the stronghold and over to the railer train. Lieutenant Murphy watched Specialist Sol set the last pull. "'Perimeter is up, Commander,' Murphy said. "'Excellent, Lieutenant,' Caprizi responded over the comm. "'I'll alert Jay.' "'No need,' Jethro said. "'I've already activated it, and all frequencies are programmed and broadcasting. "'Any stray debtors will be toast if they cross the line.' "'I don't like how he's listening to everything,' Sol said. "'I heard that, Specialist,' Jethro laughed. "'I'll stop. I promise.' Sol looked at the lieutenant and rolled his eyes. Murphy slapped him on the shoulder and grinned as the two special ops teammates walked back towards the stronghold entrance. Matthew took another sip of coffee, a shiver of disgust shaking his frame. Caprizi laughed. You don't have to drink it, you know. Yeah, I better get used to it, though, Matthew responded. You know, just in case. He trailed off and stared out into the distance. Caprizi cleared his throat. You, <clears> throat. you ever find Shiner's CPU? Nope. We barely found any debris. Those plasma charges must have nearly vaporized him. Jay and Jethro are pretty pissed. They really wanted to study how he was put together. The two men each took another sip and each shivered, processing the month's events. So, Matthew broached cautiously, You ever going to tell me what the hell you and Shiner were talking about on the battlefield that day? Nope, Caprizi answered flatly. Matthew furrowed his brow and turned his full gaze on Caprizi. Sir, if it has anything to do with Rachel, I think I have a right to know. Caprizi kept his eyes focused out, refusing to meet Matthew's gaze. No, you don't. Matthew stared a minute, then turned away. Well, it was worth a shot. I know better than to argue with a Caprizi when you're acting like stubborn asses. Depreezy smiled slightly. "'Well, he looks fine,' Thermopolis said, lowering the boy's shirt and making a couple of notations on her tablet. "'He's still a bit malnourished, but he's starting to develop muscle tone, and that's a good sign. His back will never fully straighten, but he may be able to walk without a limp in the next few months.' Thermopolis set her tablet aside and looked at June. "'Has he chosen a name yet?' June smiled and looked at the boy, affectionately tussling his hair. Yeah, he has. She turned to the doctor and beamed. Stan. He wants to be called Stan. See? June said, Stan's hand in hers. Dr. Thermopoulos promised not to take any blood today. It wasn't so bad, was it? Stan shook his head and smiled up at June. Hey, you two. Caprizi called out, coming around the corner, two empty mugs in hand. Hello, Commander. June greeted. Going for a second cup? Caprizi frowned. I don't think anyone in this place is brave enough for that. He knelt down and offered his hand to Stan. I hear you've chosen a name. Welcome home, Stan. Is that what this is? June asked. Home? For now, yes, Caprizi answered. I am the glory! I am the glory! I am the glory! I am the glory! The archbishop repeated over and over, weeks lost in the wasteland having taken its toll on his already questionable sanity. The proximity alarm beeped and Weibull glanced at it, not really comprehending the sound anymore. A shadow fell over the windshield of the rancher transport, and the archbishop turned away from the control panel lazily. Panic kicked in when he saw the mech coming at him, and he slammed on the brakes. Lord, hear my prayer. Please deliver me from this one-armed demon. Masters brought the transport to a halt on the ridge overlooking the barren valley below. "'Well, you're right,' Masters said to Bisbee, seated next to him. "'The thing has staked its territory.' Bisbee stared out the windshield at One-Arm, far below. "'You sure you want this one?' Masters asked. "'What's better than a One-Arm Mech for a One-Arm Mech Pilot?' Bisbee grinned. "'I'm gonna make it my bitch.' "'Okay,' Masters said. "'I mean, Jake can build you.' "'Nope. I want that one and that one only.' I made a promise to myself and Stanislaw, Bisbee insisted. Will you speak to Masters soon? Stomper asked Harlow as they descended into the Barren Valley ahead of the mech transport, taking the lead. Yeah, someday, Harlow responded casually. I want him to squirm a little more, though. What he did was wrong, so he has to be punished? Well, he has to learn his lesson, Harlow answered. Mech pilots don't fall apart when things get tough, even when those close die. "'You are breaking his heart,' Stomper said sadly. "'Did he tell you to say that?' Harlow asked suspiciously. Stomper was silent. "'Stomper?' "'Yes, he did,' Harlow smiled. One arm jammed the last of the archbishop's body into its cockpit." the zombie pilot greedily stuffing as much flesh into its rotted mouth as fast as possible. The dead mech watched the mech transport and hill stomper approach, sizing up its attackers. One-arm reached out and ripped a long support strut from the rancher transport, wielding it like a club. It could see the transport pick up speed and its cannons turned towards it. The deader raised the strut, pointing at the transport, then at the hill stomper and charged, all systems ready for battle. One-arm... Roared. And there you have it, folks. The epilogue to Dead Mech. Well, hopefully you enjoyed it all, the whole story. I'm sure there's um, still a few questions. That's because, yes, there will be a sequel. In fact, I'm hoping to make at least three books out of the dead mech world. So you'll get more goodies, no problem. Um, like I have promised, here is the q and I will try and keep this short and sweet. Um, I know a lot of you have asked a lot of questions and I kind of had to pick and choose um, because some of those questions were a bit redundant. Um, so I'm hopefully giving enough people you know, some face time. Some of you had a bunch of questions um, that you asked all at once. And I'll kind of get to those. Um, So here we go. We're going to start right into it. So this doesn't take 10 years long. And um, pretty much I would say 99% of these questions came from my forum, jakebible.freeforums.org. So you can go check that out. Feel free to join in in the discussion about Dead Mech and about all my fiction and everything going on with Jake Bible. So here we go. Um, Let's see here. And these are in no specific order. Um and some of them I may not answer just because I may answer while answering other ones. So just be prepared. Alright. So Mechzilla asks, What major influences grabbed you by the lapel and got you interested in this sort of story before Dead Mech was a gleam in your eye? And who were the archetypes or characters in story film media that influenced the characters in Dead Mech? Well, <clears throat> I have to say I've always been a zombie lover, so that's always been there. And uh, my main influence has been um, myself. I'm a contrarian. I um, have to do things a little different. So I did not want to write the same old, same old story. Um, no, I just didn't want to write the same zombie story. So uh, to say, you know, really my influences on what got me started um, before I even thought about Dead Mech, I definitely would have to say, you know, and and I hate to say this because it's not as much an influence as it is just an image would be the Transformers movies. Um, I'm not saying they're great movies, and I'm not saying that those anything story wise, character wise, anything from those movies grabbed me or influenced me, except for the visual of big giant robots flying around all over the place and blowing crap up. That's cool. I like that. So I think that mixed with my love of zombies um, is really what influenced me to um, write Dead Mech. Uh, Now, after I started writing Dead Mech, the major influence that probably started popping in would be all my love of uh, military sci-fi. Um, definitely, uh, aliens, James Cameron's aliens, cause space Marines are just freaking cool. So that was definitely, as I started writing it, I really realized there was horror elements and it was definitely going to be a horror book, but, um, the zombies and the mechs weren't so much the horror as some of the people were going to be. And, um, it was definitely going to turn into a military sci-fi hardcore action kind of story. Um, Archetypes or characters in story film media that influence the characters in Dead Mech? None. Honestly. Um, I couldn't point to a single one. Uh, Everybody in Dead Mech came from my head. Um, They were all the character that needed to be there to get the story going. Um, There's definitely different personality types, but that's just life. So honestly, I, I d- couldn't point to any one thing that influenced me um, when developing the characters. Uh, it was just what the story needed. So there's that. Um, let's see. Jeddard asks, what inspired you to write the very first Drabble novel? Um, that goes back to me being a contrarian and wanting to do something different, not being able to go with the flow. <laughs> um, also, my, my knack for uh, promotion, marketing, and sales. No one's done it before. That's immediately a key. If, if you are singular and um, you are unique in the marketplace, then you know, you're going to get a lot more attention. Um, I also, at the time that I started Dead Mech, was really into drabbles. And I really wanted to see if it could be done. Um, luckily, it could be done, and um, I will write another Drabble novel. I already have, I don't want to say an outline, but I have a plot and idea of what it's going to be um, because it really kind of has to be a singular thing that's that's going to work. Dead Mech just happened to work, um, but it could be written many other ways. Uh, the next Drabble novel really, honestly, to work can only work as a Drabble novel, and once that happens... Realistically, it's probably going to be fifth, sixth novel I write. Um, Once that happens, you'll see why. So there's that. Uh, Let's see. Just Jim asks a ton of questions. (laughs) Hey, Just Jim. Dude, you're all over the place, and that's awesome. Um, Let's start with the first one. Here we go. Can you explain how the Reaper chip works? No. (laughs) I can't. (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm not a brain surgeon, I have no idea how any of that works, I just, it works, that's that's how it is, you know, I have no idea what the science behind it would be, and this is set so far in the future that, you know, who, who knows, they, they make it work, and that's all that matters, and everyone believed it, so that's great. Um, let's see, how did the Wasteland and the Boilers come to be? Wasteland came to be because of Road Warrior. Which I guess we could say is another influence, going back to the very first que- um, question. Um, I mean, there's there's just something that has always stuck with me since the first time I saw Road Warrior when I was way too young to see Road Warrior, um, and that wasteland, that that whole just desert expanse of blah. Uh, that That is how that came to be. I wanted to write in that element. Um, the Boilers came to be, well, because of the horror aspect. I, as I realized, like I said before, as I realized this was turning into a military sci-fi novel and not just a horror sci-fi novel, I needed some icky and um, it wasn't going to be the zombies because honestly, I don't think zombies are scary all that much. They're intimidating, but no more intimidating than a big military force coming at you. They're numbers. Um, but a zombie itself, it's not all that scary to me. So I needed to make something scary. And icky, gross, cannibal people who rape and abuse and kill, and I mean, that's gross. That's that's scary. That scares me. So blech. Uh, Moving on to the next one, is there a world government in your story or is there something resembling the US left? Um, There is no US government, it is the UDC, United Defense Council, and that is what's left. And I'll leave it at that, really, (laughs) because that's where it's at. Um, Let's see, another question, is Jethro the second of his kind after Johnson to integrate with the UDC mainframe? Oh, hell no. No, in order for the mainframe to work, it needed human integration. Um, I'm not going to go into details on that realistically because I haven't quite figured out the details on that. And there's a ton of backstory that I have notes jotted down for that I really need to figure out first before I can get into the depth of that. But no, there have been plenty of people who have um, been integrated with the UDC mainframe. Um, How did the railers come to be? That's the next question. Uh, Railers came to be because I needed some good guys in the wasteland. And realistically, the way I'd set it up, if you were stationary, you were sitting ducks Um, between the cults and the dead mechs and the zombies. You're going to get your ass kicked if you're just, you know, camping in the wasteland. So I thought, gee, you know, what would be really cool is um, a train culture. And so I went with that. That's how they came to be. And then the last question from Just Jim is, when and where the story takes place? Well, it takes place in what used to be the United States. Primarily, I want to say the West and Southwest. Um, That's why there's a lot of mesas and plateaus and hills and those kind of things going on. Um, Of course, up into the Rockies, because the UDC stronghold is up in the mountains, kind of what NORAD used to be. Um, When it takes place? Approximately 400 years from now. And we'll just say kind of approximately right in there. I would have to say there probably isn't anyone left alive in the wasteland in the stronghold that actually knows the exact date. Um, You know, shit got fucked up, people. (laughs) A lot of people had to live underground for a long time and things got lost and got messed up. So about $400, $400, about $400, $240 worth of pudding. Ah, oh, yeah. There, you like that a little state reference to throw in the Q&A? That's good stuff. Um, let's see. Paul E. Cooley. Cooley! Asks, um, how do you write? What is your process for writing a Drabble novel? That's a very good question. Um, I killed a lot of trees. Um you should see the original manuscript. I actually printed every single Drabble out on a single sheet of paper. Um, This allowed me to interchange them as needed, um, to switch things around, read it over, and see if the flow worked. So that's really how I did it. Writing the individual Drabbles themselves, by the end of the novel and pretty much now, I can nail a hundred words within plus or minus five words without looking at word count. It did no problem. It's, it's, it's so ingrained in me. I can freaking nail it. And, um, geez, what was it? Chapter, chapter 11. I want to say part two of chapter 11, like the first 20 drabbles I wrote, I nailed a hundred words. Exactly. Now when I had to go back and edit it messed it up, but um, I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, so I, the the printed book that will be coming out is really almost exactly like the podcast. And when I went over and over the manuscript, I realized that I had already edited that thing because in order to get to a hundred words in each drabble, you have to edit as you go. You, you can't just write and then go along and then skip over and then go back and edit the whole manuscript. You have to edit each individual drabble after it's written and get it to 100 words exactly before you can move on. Um, otherwise, the flow doesn't work and the story could change drastically and then you're screwed. So this thing was really edited and in the can by the time I was done. So that's kind of my process for writing a Drabble novel. Um, Let's see. Jackal asks, do you already have ideas for your next book? Yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) And that'll come at another time. So yes, I have an I have ideas. Um, let's see. Fazarina asks, how long of a series are you planning for Dead Mech? Uh, like I answered before, uh, Well, mm, that's a good question. There's gonna be three set within this time frame, this world. I could conceivably do a total of nine, um, and they may be some trilogy prequels. Um, I'm debating. I'm bouncing a few ideas around in my head, and when that bouncy ball lands, that's when I'll decide. Going to be at least a total three. So there we go. Um, Everyone asks, this is literally one of the biggest questions I've been asked. How do you power the mechs? Well, Four hundred years in the future, they're going to develop a few things, especially when um, pretty much the entire you know human race has been forced to live in shelters underground in caves. Um, they had to develop a few things. So, power efficiency is somewhere near we what we can't even comprehend right now. Um, processing power for say computers, electronics is beyond what we can comprehend right now. So that, I mean, that, that saves a ton of power right there. Um, the mechs, as I've mentioned in the story, um, can power themselves up using, you know, a bunch of different sources. I I really touch on the geothermal cables, um, the schlongs, if you will, (coughs) excuse me, I'm talking, my throat got a little scratchy. Um, and really that kind of power to power up that way, uh, is for the weapons systems. And so that's why a lot of the pilots, the mech pilots, the railers, everyone's surprised when a mech, dead mech, actually has um, weapons capabilities. Um, it freaks them out a little bit because really they shouldn't be able to power themselves up. Maybe some have figured it out. You got to remember, I mean, the, the zombie pilots, maybe their brains have retained something. Maybe the dead mechs AIs are tapped in. Everyone's going to be an individual. So they may all have different programming, different abilities. So some may know how to hook up to a power source. Um, for general movement power, I've um created the idea of what's called kinetic regeneration. Uh, basically, when they move, they're creating energy. They're expending energy, but they're also creating energy. Um, so in that passive movement that does not expend energy, that would normally just waste energy, they're storing energy that way. That's how they're building it. So it's it's kind of ki- kinetic regeneration is what I like to call it. And that's what allows the dead mechs to just keep moving around. Um, they may not have weapons capabilities. They may not have staying power, but they can keep going. So there, that, that kind of answers it. And, um, and just to put a caveat on all the answers to this question and over dead mech, I am not a scientist. I am not an engineer. I am, um, nowhere, this is nowhere near hard science. Okay. This is good old sci-fi and um, kind of more in the pulp vein. So if you're looking for hard science and you're looking for exact hard answers that are gonna fit, you're probably not gonna find them in my story. Um, But with that said, this is set 400 years in the future, so everyone can argue with me all they want, but unless you're living 400 years in the future after the zombie apocalypse and you know nuclear annihilation of the country, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You can say everything you want based on this, but let's face it, humanity thought the world was flat at one point, so um, our perception of what the future can be? Eh little skewed based on what our perception of the present. So I just had to say that. So everyone, deep breath, just relax, go with it. If you want to get into the minutia, that's fine. If you have to have the minutia answered in order to enjoy the story, eh, you're going to need to find something else. (laughs) I, I hate to push you off to the hard science ones, but, um, Come on, my story goes boom, and that's what really matters. Um, Oh, another one, everyone asks, where are the aircrafts? Where are the planes, the jets, the big drone missile things flying down out of the sky? That's an easy question. Let's see, you blow up the world with nuclear warheads, you're going to create a bit of a problem. Um, And who knows, there could have been other cataclysms that had happened, you know, during that 400 years. I mean, you know, I haven't gone into depth, but maybe the big one hit California and the ring of fire went up around the Pacific and every volcano went kaboom-boom. Basically, there are no aircraft because atmospheric conditions will not allow them. Um, I don't actually outright say this in the story because there's no reason to. No character in this story, not one single one, would go, hey, why don't we have planes? They would never say that. It's a given. It's just accepted. So it will be touched on later books because it has to um, for part of the plot. um, Figuring out. But in this story, it isn't because it's just a fact of life. Um, And realistically, probably 90% of the population of the wasteland doesn't even understand what, what an aircraft would be um, so there's that. So anyway, that's why there aren't any aircraft um, because atmospheric conditions will not allow it to happen, won't allow um, flight pretty much. Um, the big winds, big storms make things go crash. So there you go. Um, let's see. juice 4 J Massive asks, why does Deadmech rock so much? <laughs> um, well, because it's awesome. I had a hell of a lot of fun writing it. I wrote the story I wanted to read. I wrote a story I wanted to see made into a graphic novel. I wrote a story I wanted to see on the big screen or even as a you know killer TV series that would obviously be on cable, probably pay channels because I have one of the foulest mouths out there. So anyway, um, that's why Dead Mac rocks so much and thanks for saying so. And um, also asked, let's see, who does the zombie growl in the intro? That's me. Let me do it for you. It's all about the phlegm, people. You got to get the phlegm in the back of your throat and then open the throat to get that kind of echo, you know, big sound to it. So it's me. I did the zombie growl. And it's not processed. There's there's no sound effects. That's, that's me doing a zombie growl. Um, let's see what else. Oh, another everyone question. Everyone's been asking this and there's been quite a few debates. Um, why don't the dead mechs have a kill switch that would prevent them changing into dead mechs? I have actually had a lot of fans who are, um, ex-military who have said, you know, the military would never create that. You're absolutely right. um, but the UDC is a little different. Uh, they had ulterior motives and as touched on in the later chapters, later episodes, as the outsider Johnson, Dr. Johnson says, they did have kill switches and they were taken out. And you'll find out why in later um, books. So there's a specific reason kill switches aren't on the mechs. And um, I'll touch on that later. Uh, Scooter, Hey, Scooter asks, uh, why is the church, the ranchers, helping the outsider? Um, It's more that the outsider needed, still needed people. He wanted to hurt the UDC, destroy the UDC, and then just detested, because he was just pretty much a little insane, Um, all of the city-state civilization and that whole controlled population. So he killed everyone and controlled everybody by inoculating them and then activating the reaper chips. But he still needed people because as you see in the end, he's just a husk (laughs) sitting in a chair hooked to a mainframe. Um, In order to survive and in order to keep going, he was going to need people around. And um, to be honest, don't look for a sane answer there because the guy was freaking nuts. Uh, so he didn't exactly make decisions based on logic towards the end. So, but basically it was a, um, alliance of necessity for him. And then the church, you know, why are they helping the outsider? Well, power, baby, come on. I mean, they thought they were going to be promised a place in the stronghold and be able to take that, um, also. So they were just planning on taking over. Um, and I'm sure they probably thought they could end up controlling Johnson because, you know, they're freaking crazy ranchers. I mean, they worship zombies, for Christ's sake. That's just messed up. Um, Let's see. Ah, here. Hearn asks, The pilots seem to be able to climb into the cockpit way too quickly, and the mechs can do battle rolls, backflips, dance. Are we changing physics in the future? No, not at all. Mechs can do backflips, dance, battle rolls, leap through the air. That's how they're designed. Um, 400 years in the future, buddy. (laughs) It's 400 years in the future. They they have a little different technology. The mechs would not be effective unless they could do all of that. There's nothing within physics that says a three-story machine can't do a backflip if it isn't constructed to do a backflip. That's all there is to it. I mean, it doesn't change physics. You know, size does not change physics. It just makes things more difficult. I mean, you know, come on. And you can argue with me all you want. I I don't care. But at one point, people said that um, we couldn't fly. And that obviously isn't right. It just takes the right person To figure out how to do it. So there's that. Now, the pilots being able to climb into the cockpit way too quickly, three stories is what I'm talking here. Um, No one climbs up Stomper who's um, 12 stories. He has to lower his hand. Um, That's how you get in and out of him. Um, You could climb him, but that would be a lot. Three stories on the other hand, I actually grew up with a really good friend who could probably scale three stories in about the time that I have put into the story. Um, with you got to think these are mechs. They got cables. They have you know they actually have handhold, foothold ladders built into them. And these are mech pilots. This is what they're trained for. This is what they do all day, every day. And if that's your job and that's your life, you're a freaking monkey and you can fly up and down those things because you just do it. So to be able to climb that quickly three stories um, with those amount of handholds and that ability, um, easily possible. I've, I've seen it done. So no, I, I, I'm going to have to say, yeah. So no, going to have to say, yeah, that doesn't make sense. They can climb those super fast and come down super fast. And mechs can do backflips and dance in my story because I create the future. Um, let's see here. What else do we have? Ah, yes. Fetus Christ. <laughs> this awful name, but it just cracks me up every time I hear it. Fetus Christ. Oh, that's good stuff. Okay, so Fetus Christ asks, do you find using curses is cheating a bit for the Drabble format? And um, Odin One Eye uh, just did a review of Dead Mac, which was pretty spot on. He did really kind of call it a popcorn summer movie story, which is exactly what I was writing. I wanted the big, huge, Michael Bayesian, go boom kind of thing, but with a little more depth and actual story and plot than Michael Bay movies. But I was going for that. So, when we all see it on the big screen, get your popcorn out, be prepared to watch it because it's going to be a summer blockbuster. But back to the question, do you find using curses is cheating a bit for the Drabble format? Quite the contrary, actually. I am a foul-mouthed motherfucker. I grew up in a house of foul-mouthed motherfuckers. I grew up in a house where swearing and cursing was as much a language and art form as anything else. It was poetry and music. Um, I actually cut out other words in order to keep the cadence of swearing in there. So while a lot of people think I just add a fuck here or add a fuck there just to make my word count, it's actually completely the opposite. I cut out words, completely rewrote drabbles in order to Keep the cursing the way I wanted it because it expressed exactly what I wanted it to ex- express. Because just saying "ah oh, fuck" just doesn't sound as good as "fuck fuck fucker fucking fuck shit motherfucker." Y- you hear the difference? <laughs> There's quite a difference. <laughs> and trust me, if you hang out at my house for a while, you'll understand. Because <laughs> it's like it's like a song around here. Um, so. All of the foul, awful cursing was completely calculated and part of my dialogue and the way I wrote this story, Um, which probably says a lot about me. And um, yeah, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. But um, for all you writers out there who are thinking of writing Drabbles and thinking, oh, I'll just throw a fuck or a shit in here or all that because Jake Bible did it. You'd be completely wrong. I mean, so opposite. It's it's well, just kind of silly. I um, I take my cursing very seriously, and you know, that the flow of those words has to be just right. Um, fuck, 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 just doesn't sound right. Whereas fuck, fuck, fuckity fuck, you know, something like that. You gotta you gotta have that cadence in there. Uh, so yeah, so there's the answer to that. And now the final question. And actually, it is the non-question. I know there's tons more questions, and I'm sure you guys are like, but that doesn't answer everything. There's going to be more books, okay? And those should answer everything. If there's mysteries left, it's because I want mysteries to be left uh, so that um, they can be discovered later down the line. But now this is the, the question that was never asked, and I was waiting for it. And it was never asked once. And nobody asked me what the characters look like. And if you go back and listen to this, and when you buy the book, because you will, because it's awesome, you know. Remember where where is it? Um. Why does Dead Mac rock so much? Cause it is awesome. Um. I don't have a single character description in this book. I don't describe Rachel. I don't describe Matthew. I don't describe Jethro Jay, Commander Caprizi. I don't describe Harlow. I don't describe Masters. I don't describe a single freaking character. I describe some of the mechs, uh, dead mechs, um, Stomper, Shiner a little bit. Um, That's just so you know what they're up against. But I don't describe a single character. And I dare you to find one character where I do. Um, Some minor characters, maybe, a little bit of description. Uh, you know, like the archbishop, you know, I, I, describe he's got robes and that kind of stuff. Just so you know what he looks like, you know, get the idea of what I'm talking about with an archbishop. But um, really other than that, not one of the main characters is described. So it's all in your imagination and not one of you asked that question. So you tell me, does Rachel have blonde hair or does she have brown hair? Does uh, the rookie have blue eyes or brown eyes? You tell me, people. Ha So I thought that was interesting, um, which is great, which means that the story um, and the characters themselves just grabbed you enough that you filled it in with your imaginations. Imagination. So, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And um, I'm, I'm glad I, you know, I got to you guys enough that you didn't even notice that. So that's it. That's the Q&A for Dead Mech. Let me just say thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to all the supporters. Thank you to the whole podcasting community, um, to the zombie community out there, to the horror community, to everybody who has helped me get where um, I am and helped Dead Mech get where it is. And I promise I won't disappoint, and you'll have more in the future. And I will always be a humble, rambling idiot um, just to keep you amused. And yeah, thank you. You guys rock. You have been listening to Jake Bible's Anyone Dead Mech, wrong. the world's me first Drabble novel. The preceding episode was recorded and produced by the author. The intro music was Miles and Miles by Lake Kress. Outro music is Destroy by The Eternal. Both tracks available at podsafeaudio.com. Every... Title graphic by Ed Delaney. Find him at PeculiarComics.com. This recording is protected by a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works United States 3.0 license. You can share it, copy it, and give it to anyone you want. Just don't edit it, change it, or try to make any money off it without direct permission from the author. Thank you for listening.
0: My
1: head is spinning. (laughs) I am running out.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast of Dead Mech. Don't want to wait until next week for a new episode? Go subscribe at jakebible.substack.com and you'll get access to all episodes right now. Or you can go to my website or any major retailer and get the audiobook narrated by Julie Hoverson. You can also get the ebook, which is free on all major retailer sites, as well as my own store. Go to jakebible.com for more info. Thanks, y'all. Cheers.